Okay, Spurgeon, so we said that we would talk about um, Dita Samapada today, and uh, you said that you could see the second half, but that you didn't understand or be able to see the first half of the 12 steps of the Dita Samapada. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. And so I suggest that what we do is then start right there in the very middle at that point, which is the best thing that we can see. And that we can, in fact, see. First off, we can actually see that the things that we uh, that cause us grief, agitation, sorrow, anxiety are the things that we care about. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that we care about the things that we know about. Okay. All right. And so if we know that granny is in the hospital and we know we're supposed to care about her, then we do. And then we're worried about granny in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the sequence right there. All right, that knowledge of things is actually the part that comes in first. Okay, the knowledge of granny being sick in the hospital and that we're supposed to care about her is all part of the input. And what we then do with that input is create a feeling. Okay, and the feeling then comes in the sense of I know what it is. And so that means that when we like things, we care about them and we want to bring them to us. So good health we like, and so we care about granny being well, and so we want to bring wellness to her, which is exactly the opposite way of saying the same thing is, is that illness is bad and we don't want granny to have uh, illness because that's bad for us, so we want the illness to go away. So illness going away and health is the same thing coming. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, these are the two primary kinds of thoughts, so we think. But we only think that ignorantly because the other is the, the thoughts that we're not sure about. And guess what? Humans are quite limited. There's a whole lot of stuff that we're not sure about, a whole lot of stuff we don't know. And that then when something unknown presents itself to us as unknown, what we do with it is, is that we put it into the instinctual way that we would do it way back when we were living in a jungle and anything that presents itself as unknown is probably dangerous. Okay, well, we grew up in the jungle to where the jungle that we live in, if something is new, it probably is dangerous. But in the society that we live in now, all kinds of things are new. The things are really popping now <laughs> in a very complex society. And there's a whole lot of stuff that people don't know, but they assume that they do. And so <laughs> it's kind of false knowledge. And so part of Adhapanasati is eventually get down to that point to where we can see that the thoughts that we're constructed is based upon a bunch of garbage and that we got to replace that garbage, which is all fear of the unknown based. Okay, so that's the part that we got to get into is that the, un the unknown then is the gives the feeling of unsuredness about whether I like it or not. Friend or foe, up or down, back or forth, and we go into that judgment cycle with the liking and not liking. So if you're a criminal, you like crime and you hate cops. But if you're uh, a, a cop, then it's the other way around, you see. And so it's not it's not a matter of what it is. It's whether we like it or not, or whether we're unsure whether we like it or not. And these, according to the Buddha, are the three primary underlying, uh, or not underlying, but the quick the thing that's the first result of or the only result of the contact that we have uh, 
with the presented knowledge, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Okay, so, so greed, hatred, and delusion are which link then of the twelve? Pardon. So Say greed again. and delusion are which link of the? Well, if you look at it from the second noble truth perspective, then it's greed, ill will, and delusion. Okay, and greed is liking it, and ill will is not liking it. And delusion is whether you don't you don't know whether you like it or not. That's a perspective. Uh huh. So, but okay. which where does that come in in, in the with the twelve links in the twelve links? Well, is that Beta now? Oh, okay, okay. It's also Myra and his three daughters. And if you look at Petitia Samopati in that respect, it starts with ignorance. It starts with delusion. It ends up in dukkha, and right there in the middle are the the uh, the liking and not liking Vedana, which is also ignorant, leading to dukkha, which is also ignorant. So the whole foundation is based upon we don't know, mm -hmm. and so we make up answers to give ourselves feelings. Oh, of liking or not liking. And normally we take on not liking because we find it dangerous or fearful as opposed to I don't know what it is. But you see, at Christmas time, I don't know what it is, but it's going to be something wonderful, yeah. right? Hmm. But normally I don't know what it is, is, is that it must be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Especially it presents itself in the form of a new animal. And humans are animals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what I have just described to you then is the whole concept behind tribalism mm -hmm. and uh, racism, fear of the unknown. We don't want immigrants in here because they're not like us. Okay. They will take something away from us is the fear of the unknown and in fact there's nothing to fear the guy who has the money is the one who's so greedy he's probably going to take your money and these people are just like you are hurting because somebody took all their money okay but we don't think about it logically we think about it the way that we're told to think about it is, is that all the immigrants are dangerous because we don't know about them they're other mm -hmm. okay the worst is that guy may be wearing a turban and I don't know about turbans. <laughs> That's not true. I used to have one, but you get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when you were in India? Yes, when I was yeah. in India. <laughs> so, uh, this is the whole point then of Vedana being slapped dab in the middle. This is it. There are three kinds of feelings. Now, in the suttas, it talks about it in the sense that it's either both or neither, but it's certainly a not a solid, yes, I like it, or no, I don't like it. It's always the cloud with the silver lining. It's always the in-between. It's always the unknown. And we don't feel comfortable with that because we want it to fall. I either like it or don't like it. It's either friend or foe. I don't want to leave it in that category if I'm not sure. Okay. And that if we let it go deep enough, that not sureness kind of feeling will lead to fear. And in fact, that's the basis of fear. Yeah. And you can see it easily in startle reactions. Okay, the, the the bookshelf falls apart and all the things on it come crashing down with the whole symphony of sounds and everybody in the room jumps except for one guy who watched it fall down and he knew what was happening. But everybody else only heard the sounds of it and so they jumped. Same thing with lightning and all of that kind of stuff. When you're awake, you don't have a startle reaction. But when you're asleep, then um, we get surprised, 
We, we carry around anxiety, but guess what? Mostly the anxiety is ignorant. We're ignorant of that anxiety and we don't know it. That very often, uh, even beginner meditators will say, oh, I feel this, this anxiety when I'm meditating. And then so we start talking about it. Where is it located? And then one of the questions is asked is, is this brand new? I mean, you never had anxiety before until you did meditation? Or is this something old? Mm-hmm. And then they figure out, yeah, this is old, old habits that we have with this anxiety. It's gotten so old now that we're not paying any attention to it. And yet it drives our life. Because we're constantly trying to avoid that, so we keep thinking of things to do, we go do them, and and while we're doing them, we've got our mind off the anxiety. But when we, uh, not met, but when we come away from whatever problem that needed to be solved, then we get tense and uptight, and we don't even know about it. So the whole thing about Anapanasati is basically to wake up to what the body is doing. To become aware of those anxieties and whatnot that are in the body. Because much of that comes from doubt. Mm. Unsurety. Okay. Mm. Hatred and anger is a different form of doubt. But that's when it's really, I don't like it, with intensity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Uh, all of these things have degrees, and basically, we wind up in in some form of clinging or some form of caring about something. And the more we care, the greater the dukkha is going to be. That the Buddha was very clear about it, and there's a suit to this, by the by the way, the name I think is number eighty-seven, and it is grief comes from those who are dear. Now, in that regard, it has to do with family members, friends, and other things like this. But it can happen in a reverse way with with enemies. In other words, if something happens to somebody that you don't like at all, it might piss you off. (laughs) But otherwise, when we lose something, there is a kind of grief. And that grief is actually the, 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 the real ill will, is the sense of loss and the fear of loss. And then uh, anger will come on top of that because we get and gain our power back. All of this is done uh, ignorantly, but we, we become ferocious trying to get. So that's a really strong form of clinging. And in uh, um, the Buddhist context, this would be in hell, getting angry and hot and can't get out of it. That's hell. Wanting something that we can't have is like a hungry ghost. We go around haunting everything, but we don't ever get what we're actually looking for. We we we, we stay unfulfilled at that hell uh, or the the word is unwholesome states and this is all of the becoming of me Mm. okay and it is me who suffers and then in fact the feelings were not me the the tanha or wanting it was not me the meanness came in with the clinging because the clinging needs a clinger and when we cling we create the self and it's the self then that suffers the dukkha just not liking something just being disirritated with something is not a problem until we want it to go away and it won't go away and then we got to do something about it and it still doesn't work And we can see that as a, uh, a thing. And all of this happens subconsciously. And an example would be that uh, you didn't see the mosquito coming. You didn't see it land. You didn't see it poke his nose into it, something that's not his business. 
you weren't aware of it, in, in fact, until he flew away, and then there's a great big bump. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but there's a, but we only have, because uh, we're more interested in watching the video than we are that mosquito bite, but we give the hand its thing, and so the hands will go down and start scratching. And that's what gets the mosquito bite infected. If we would either, number one, leave it alone, or number two, put some ointment or salve on it, and by doing so, the salve, we actually want to talk about it in that regard of actually loving the place, nurturing it, salving the wound, and then the work is done. And now we can go back to whatever we were doing. And we don't wind up with scratchy, itchy skin. So that's a kind of an example of Petitia Samapada right there. Uh, all of it based in ignorance. If we had seen the mosquito when it was in the air, we wouldn't have gotten bitten. Yeah. Okay. Who's have gone done something, got a quail or chased him out or whatever like that, you know. So that's really what wisdom is all about. Wisdom then is seeing the dangers before they light and take a bite. And that mosquito is also in the mind, too. See, those mosquito bites uh, manifest themselves. It's too late. You want to see those mosquitoes before they get a chance to bite. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that's where we're going to wind up with Petitia Samupada. But let's go ahead and talk about it in order. And it's actually a good idea, kind of, uh, it's interesting even to actually use the poly so that we define the words correctly. So in, the word here is Vedana, uh, and pleasant uh, would be uh, uh, Sukhadasana, or uh, pleasant, pleasure. I like it, a feeling of uh, wanting because I like it so much. Okay, so the the next one is, I don't like it. I want to chase it away, like the mosquito that we're talking about. And then the third kind is the ignorant feeling, which is I'm not sure whether I like it or not. Or not. I either both like it and dislike it, or I neither like it nor not like it. Okay, I'm either neutral to it or I'm mixed. And so uh, this is the point where doubt can arise as, as a feeling um, that is a little bit, let us say, more emotionally uh, driven than the first kind of feeling, which is uh, that we don't know. So it's, it's kind of a subconscious uh, understanding of ignorance. I don't like it. Probably because I don't know what it is. And we jump to that conclusion very quickly, by the way, because after all, it's too much work to do that much investigation. And we want answers. <laughs> I don't like this state of being confused. And so, uh, by trying to get out of the state of confusion, any answer will do. So long as it brings us back to, I like it or I don't like it. Liking it or not liking it is okay. And so this is kind of a temporary feeling. And if we get dwelled on it, that's where uh, doubt becomes a, a real hindrance. Okay, being unsure, don't know about the Dhamma. People get confused about the Dhamma a lot. And what they're really confused about is they don't know whether they understand it or not enough to know whether they, they like it or not. But basically, understanding it is liking it and not understanding it. And so we want to understand it, but we don't. That's part of the doubt. We don't, we're not sure. And so we get ourselves into a state of confusion. And the funny part is, is that we don't have to do that at all 
because we already know enough Dhamma just to sit down and be happy. Doesn't, I mean, there, what, what's to become confused about that? <laughs> just stop all of this confusion. Stop all of this worry. You know, just set it down. Yeah. That yeah. that, in fact, is what worry is, is trying to solve a problem and we don't come to a resolution. Then we think we do and we'll set it down and then we'll start worrying about it again, bringing up new solutions, possibly coming back to the same solution over and over again, which is somehow dissatisfying. And that's what worry is all about, is trying to solve the same few problems over and over again and never coming to a solution. And all we have to do is just, ah, I don't have to do that. <laughs> I can drop, I can drop all the worry. And so that's a, a main part of why there is so much discursive thought is because we're trying to problem solve. And often the problem solving, or, uh, or let us say, uh, part of the problem solving is solving the problem of what actually is the problem. And that's yeah. what we often ruminate on, okay? If we can actually identify with the correct diagnosis, now we know what to do. The diagnosis in, in, uh, points to the cure. So the part of the problem is getting an excellent diagnosis. And so finding out what the real problem is. And so this is how we spend all of our time trying to figure out what the problem is. But we don't look at the fact that there is no problem, that the reason that we think that there's a problem is because of number one would be anxiety. And anxiety will ignorantly think, believe, lead us to the, to the point of saying, okay, I have this anxiety because something actually is dangerous. What is it that's dangerous? I don't feel safe and secure right now. What is it do I need to do to make myself secure? Okay, uh, the, the example is the man in the hut way, way back when and more than the, uh, before dark ages <laughs> in ancient times. And he's laying there on the ground or in his hut. And the anxiety comes up. And he says, I got to do something. And then he says, oh, I know what it is. I got to go fix the, the wall. And so he gets up and he goes out and he goes looking for stones and he finds some stones. It's the middle of the night and he's out there looking for stones and he puts them on the wall so that the goats can't get out and the lions can't get in. And he's tired, but after an hour or so of work, he goes back into the hut. He lays down, takes a deep breath. And five minutes later, he's back in the state of anxiety again. Okay, so all we have to do is move the um, time machine forward to present day. And how many stone walls do we think about having to fix that don't really need to be fixed right now? How many broken governments are there? that need to be fixed right away. <laughs> and don't you understand that government is just going to be governments. The better you ignore them, the less power they have. It's only yeah. when we pay attention to them that they have power. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, this is the actual part of the teaching of why and how we wind up in dukkha because we care so much. This is the upadana, this is the uh, the state of clinging. So in this example, here it goes, whatever it is, there it goes. It has an up and a down and around and around like that. And that's what it is. This it could be politics, it could be a religion, it could be anything you name. And here I come. And now I've got it. Which means I got to go around and around too. Then in fact, this arm that's clinging has an elbow here that's got a self to it. There, there's somebody in there that's doing the clinging. If there was no clinging, then there's no self. 
it's just going around and around. And everything in the world is just going around and around. That's called samsara. And if we start attaching to that samsara, we'll like part of it and not like another part because we're the one who's clinging to it. That's where the self comes from. So from Upadana is Baba. So the clinging is actually the grasping part because here it comes, okay? That's the Baba and then Jati, the self is born. And now that the self has got it, here it goes around and around. There's the dukkha. <laughs> the dukkha is because we've already grasped, but, it, but it's the grabbing a hold and latching part that is the self. The self is what latches on, and then it becomes the, uh, uh, the bucket, let's say, to carry the dukkha in. Now, this is an important kind of teaching, and we'll get to it. Uh, in reverse order now. Where then is the self? Is the self is something that's manufactured on the spot out of ignorance. And generally it's because we don't like the ignorance, but we're ignorantly not liking the ignorance. <laughs> this is so funny <laughs> that we're ignorant to this process. And what the process is going on is that we don't understand something, we don't realize something, and so we wind up in a in sort of a held state. We can wind up in a uh, a very greedy place. We can wind up do going along to get along the, the, the dumb animal. Because the dumb animal is going to accept that he doesn't know and do it anyway and feel bad about it and resent it. And that's what we do often. Is we don't know what's going on, but we got to play. You've heard about pay for play. Well, this is actually because you've already paid. Now you got to play. Mm. In the sense of once I've grasped hold of it, now I've got to go around with it until I pay for it. I don't have to play with it. So. Um, when, when we recognize that we don't have to do this because we could change it at any point in time, that once we recognize this is what's going on, the first thing that we really can understand to do is to let go, to stop clinging, mm -hmm. right? That's the thing to do. That's where the relinquishment comes in. But in order to be able to do that, first you've got to see that cycle. You got to begin to see that as oh, this is what's happening. So this is where it is, is that you've got to see that dukkha close enough to be able to let it go instantly. But then later we begin to see it in a big bigger cycle. And so we begin to let go uh, at a deeper level. Mm. All right. So see the bigger cycle, we let go at a deeper level. OK, you in other words. The guy walks into the kitchen uh -huh. and he leans against the counter while he's having a conversation with somebody only to recognize that he's put his elbow on the hot stove, one of those modern burners, and it's just been turned off. It's hot as heck, but it doesn't display anything. And so he mistakes it for being a counter when in fact it's a hot stove. Okay. The first thing that's going to happen is, is that the elbow is going to take itself away <laughs> yeah. And an instant later, he's going to recognize why. Yeah. <laughs> but the heat always comes, uh, or the thought about the heat is secondary. The heat itself presents itself to the elbow. Mm -hmm. All right. However, that's probably going to be a strong enough message so that every time he walks into that kitchen, he's going to look at that stove. That's the first thing he'll look at. All right. Because it, that got him enough and that we often register things that way throughout childhood that every boo-boo is a lesson that we have to learn and that's what kind of lessons we learn which means we don't remember a whole lot of the pleasant things that happened because they weren't important they weren't dangerous enough to be important mm. okay 
And so most of us have a very marvelous childhood, but all we remember is the crap. <laughs> <laughs> and that that literally is how we've been practicing all along is remembering whatever it was that was going on that we didn't like last time and then having those same kind of feelings about it over and over and over again. This is the cycle that builds the habit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so in the whole sequence then, it's I like it, I don't like it, or I'm not sure what it is. The not sure what it is may go along with it one way or the other, but um, this is what the example that we would use is liking. Okay. I like something. Like it, therefore I want it. That in fact there's a story from Achan Cha who was with a, uh, a ceremony with uh, Achan Sumedho, the very elder monk in the um, uh, Achan Cha tradition now. And they were at a Katen ceremony where there was um, all of the girls of the village were there for all dolled up. This is the this is the day of the year like it, some churches do it at Easter time where the women just do everything they can to make themselves beautiful. Okay, so uh, Achan Cha nudged Achan Sumedho about that and he says, hmm, what do you think? And Achan Sumedho says, I like it, but I don't want it. <laughs> okay, so this is a state of awakening where we can come to to recognize that there's a lot of stuff that's built in to the genes about liking and not liking. But just because we like or not like, we can just end it right there if we're smart enough, if we're wise enough to just accept whatever we like or don't like or don't understand as being there. I like it, but I don't have to want it. Or we can come a little bit later, which is one of the things that I often use with students is get to the point of recognizing that there's a whole lot of stuff that you want and you're not going to get it. Can you be satisfied not getting what you want? So that's the landing place. That's the place to practice is, is just being satisfied that you're not going to get the things that you want. Because if you do that well enough, then you'll wind up being to the point that you're not going to like it in the first place because you're not going to get it anyway. You just like it. Mm -hmm. But liking beautiful motorcycles does not sell motorcycle magazines. Magazines are sold because people like those bikes and they want them. Mm -hmm. And all they get is a photo. <laughs> <laughs> so, this liking becomes wanting, and the wanting is then becomes the clinging to it in the sense of mentally. And with that clinging comes Baba, the, the, the creation of the self. Okay, so an example at this point would be that your, your brother comes onto the porch and says, I need to borrow $500 and I'll pay you back X. And so the, the answer is, if I want or I need that $500, I'll say no. But if I value my friendship with my brother more, I'll find $500 someplace. Okay. If I can find $500 and be generous with giving him the $500, and I'll feel really good about my generosity, and he'll feel very good about getting and receiving the gift, and we're very happy together. But if I tell him no, we're both feeling unba uh, unhappy. We don't like each other, right? So it's dangerous for him to come up and ask about it because he don't know whether he's going to get it or not. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he will him and haw around. He doesn't quite want to bring it out and ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is how the mind is working here. We can begin to see it at that level. And that when we cling to something, we're going to create a self that's going to feel bad about it. 
And so part of the Anapanasati practice is, is to get ourselves into, to feel safe, to feel secure, to feel comfortable, and then we can feel satisfied, even to the point of being satisfied when we don't get what we want. Because now, at this point, we feel safe, secure, and comfortable. Don't want anything anyway. Not right now. They'd let the dukkha come later. But right now, I can feel safe, secure, comfortable, and satisfied. And and then this is the definition of sukha, which is exactly opposite of the word dukkha, which means to be dissatisfied. That's what I, that's what it's all about. It don't matter what we do. We always wind up dissatisfied. Even when we win, we feel dissatisfied somehow. What didn't? Nothing ever goes according to plan. <laughs> so it's a, even a win is not a win because it didn't go to my plan, the one I was clinging to. Right. So if we see that, then the whole point then is that when this thing is going on, whatever it is, we make it our business or my business this is mine so the me comes with the the clinging itself in fact we can see the roots of the the uh the self actually in just the wanting of it and when we can become satisfied by not with not getting what we want that becomes to be the the destruction of the self because in fact, the destruction is not of this of this self. It's the it's the beginning of the destruction of the self-making process that happens. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so this this point at Tanha is really really important because that's the point that we all can match up and start practicing at anyway. That just like the bar scene fight, the two guys will, one of them will wake up, husband and wife fighting, one of them will wake up enough to get out of there and to stop the fight. That's waking up in the middle of the dukkha, but it's still waking up to, to the greed and attachment. So there, we, we all will wake up to the dukkha. That's why we all come to wanting to know something about Buddhism anyway. If we were already satisfied, who needs Buddhism? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's that knowledge of the dissatisfaction that we're going to start paying attention to. So any thoughts that you have that bring you to the state of dissatisfaction, we want to stop those kind of thoughts and have satisfying thoughts. want to have very satisfying thoughts, wholesome thoughts. Because if we do, then we can control the way that we feel. And if we can control the way that we feel, hot dog, now we've got control over this liking and not liking and the ignorance about whether I like it or not. Because we're learning to control the feelings at that basic level of feeling secure, feeling safe, feeling comfortable, and feeling satisfied. So this is why we actually want to practice sukha as a skill, talking ourselves into it, because then we have control over the second half of the process of Paticca Samapada, because we could choose to feel this is what the Buddha means, or actually this is a statement from Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, of wisdom at the point of contact because at the point of contact is when you choose how you're going to feel about what you're presented anyway that point of contact is like the messenger just arrives and says oh sire i have news for thee (laughs) that's the point of contact the creation of the news is backing up even further into it but we'll get into that in just a moment Okay. (laughs) okay But we're talking about this point in contact is when we get the news. It seems like after doing this practice for a while, it's not as much a choice. It's almost like I don't know how to explain it. Like, uh, like the seeing it is the same as the getting rid of it. Kind of. I don't know how to say it. 
Say it again, then. Like, <laughs> like, um, if we're already feeling, <laughs> if we're already feeling good, and, <laughs> and, um, and like, no, some, I'm laughing at the joke of I don't know how to say it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> if we're already feeling good and something like, at least I've had this experience where, um, everything's okay and I'm feeling really good. And something that I normally have a negative response to uh, comes like um, I hear some news or something. Um, there's uh, like the scene of the pattern starting and then it fades away at the same time. Yeah, well, things happen pretty fast, don't they? Yeah. And you're beginning to pick up on that. <laughs> but it's almost like there's no like the understanding of it is the fading away of it. Like, I don't have to choose it so much. Um, actually, that's how we've been living our lives. Is by not choosing and letting it go with the flow. Oh. Which is the habits that we've already built up, which will carry you to your destiny. That's the normal mind. Okay, but it, but if you want to develop your own will, your own be your own boss, stop being the habit-filled child that we grew up to be, and become a lion. The real waking up is going to change you completely. What are we waking up to? Your own power to feel the way that you want to feel in any situation. And we learn that slowly over time. And the first thing that we have to do, which is in fact the first step of the noble path, is to have the complete confidence that no matter what happens, no matter what kind of crap there is that comes between the ears, I could throw that stuff out, clean out, Throw that out right now and come back to the reality of the moment and see things the way that they are so that I can investigate what's really going on. Now, that's quite a remarkable point. The Buddha talks about this as this is the first knowledge of the path. This is the first knowledge that is noble. It is super mundane because it's not rooted in the world. We just realize that we can throw that world out and become and get above it all. So this is super mundane. It's a factor of the path. It is noble. And it, this is not held by ordinary people. It's just not. Ordinary people just don't have this ability because we are raised to be victims of our society. And we got to weasel our way around this society rather than being on top of the world and forgetting about society. Which is another form of the world. Being on top of your world is also the same thing as being on top of the world or the society. Which is different than Mother Earth. And a lot of people confuse these three, okay? But your world is all you know. Mm -hmm. The world out there is just a world of concepts. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's your ideas about what the world is like. You really don't know what the Democratic Party is. Yeah. In fact, nobody does. All you have is a whole bunch of people who have their own idea about what it is. <laughs> yeah. And they will often fight and argue with each other over what the definition of the party is as if they own it because everybody thinks they do. This is my Democratic Party. <laughs> Why? Because they care. And if you don't care about politics at all, then you can really actually see that all. Oh, that there is no such thing as a Democratic Party. There's just a whole lot of people caring about something that they call the Democratic Party, each in his own individual way. Mm -hmm. And the Democratic Party that the Republicans hate is not the same Democratic Party that Joe Biden is, belongs to, nor is it the same party that uh, Kamala Harris belongs to. 
All three of them belong to different Democratic parties, and they don't know that. <laughs> and that is, and so when the, yeah, <laughs> that's the funny part. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so when the Republican talks about the Democratic Party, he knows Biden and Kamala will get all uptight because they think that he's talking about their party. When in <laughs> fact, no, <laughs> you guys are not even talking about the same party. <laughs> And that's why the Buddha teaches about nothingness to it or emptiness, that you have to become unattached to see how people do attach. Mm. Yeah, it's like you have to get yourself out of the mess to see how you get yourself back into the mess and then get out of mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is the process that we start with, and we start getting quicker and quicker at it. So that we start at Tanha, we, because we can see that we're on a merry-go-round. Let's get off this merry-go-round over and over again, and pretty soon we can see the merry-go-round itself, not just the ride that I'm on. Oh, and that's what you were saying, I, you see the bigger... Cycle. Yeah, I can see. Yeah. Right. Rather than, let us say, as a real merry-go-round, instead of being attached to the seat that I'm riding in, when I get away from it, I can see the entire mechanism of the merry-go-round with all of its uh, seats and the motors and the lights and all of that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So I can get off of the merry-go-round, then I can see the whole merry-go-round better rather than hating this part of the ride. When I'm up in the air, I like it, but when it comes back to all of this noise and machinery and everything like that, then I don't like it. And that's how we get caught in that cycle of liking and not liking, and then we get confused about things. So this is the way that the mind works from in the Pali is the Vedana, Tanha, Upadana is the clinging, then Bhava, which is becoming Jati. So the clinging is the beginning of the self, and with the self, that's what suffers. The dissatisfaction comes from the self, which is nothing really much but the self-preservation instinct, and so it's always got a bit of fear based in it. Okay? So, that's the second half that you already are able to experience in the here now. Okay? So... The next thing is to back up a little bit further into, well, what is the message that the messenger is bringing? Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? Okay, and in the Pali, this is called the Salayatana. Mm -hmm. And the Salayatana has to do, um, I think it has to do with the word Sala that we have here in Thailand. That has to do with a, a completely open. There's a. It's kind of a, a a room or a building with no walls and not much of a floor, but it does have a roof. It's kind of a shade place, or it might have benches to sit on. Okay, so it's completely open. So in that regard, we're talking about a structure around the atana which is the senses so the atana is the eyes the is the five senses and then the salayatana is the sixth sense of the mind where we're putting structure around um or a fabrication around the uh sensory input that we have okay that structure then can become quite elaborate in the sense of concepts and rules, how things are supposed to be. Do they match up and whatnot like that? Okay, so the um, this salayatana is actually something that's created out of sensory awareness, which is the content. But what we do is, is we try to contain, we try to understand what just happened. And so this salayatana, all of the wood out of it, is wood that we've got stored up. Okay, so the next step before that then is what you would call perception, 
it's it's uh, uh, Sanya in some of the uh, uh, Pali text, and is also known as Nama Rupa, yeah. which if you studied. Okay, so the Nama Rupa is one that we get. Now, what is Nama Rupa? It's taking the uh, the Rupa, the reality that came in through the senses, and try to make a form of it. Okay, so we name it, we create it, right? We contain it. That's what's happening. So, where do, how do we do that? How do we understand something that's just happened is because of past experiences. The lumber that we're using is the um, Sankara. Mm. So the Sankara is the lumber that we use that we uh, frame the, the picture that we got. So that wood is either going to be good or it's going to be old and crappy. And oftentimes our salayatana, our constructed image of what's going on, that's got a containment and a boundary and a concept wrapped around it, then is what is presented as the news by the messenger who contacts the king. And then the king is going to feel not about what really happened. He's going to be uh, contacted by the framing of what happened. Mm. And so in this regard, we frame our own reality and then we present it to the feelings. Which means that we don't live in reality. We live in a constructed reality. We're always framing things. And a much better way to do it is just take sensory input and then take some more sensory input and then take some more sensory input and then take some more sensory input and present that to the king rather than having to frame it with a frame built on the past of understanding. Ah, so this is the beginning to get down to the deeper stuff is to recognize that we construct our reality that we have feelings about anyway. And that the feelings are uh, the, the, the reality that we have constructed is what's going to contact and give us the feelings. Also was based upon old feelings. This is where the habit cycle comes in. So it's like a circle almost because like. Yeah, it is huh. mm -hmm. that your your present moment becomes past. And then you yeah. use the past to determine the next present moment. Mm -hmm. OK, it's like a locomotive wheel. It has to spin over and over again to make any progress. Mm -hmm. It's not going to just sit there and go forward. It's got to roll. Okay, so uh, there's that that rolling system. So our our habits then become the foundation of the way that we look at things. And what we're doing with Anapanasati is is that we're going to make a, a blurb in there and say, no, we're going to change the way I see things. Because the way that I see things is basically what, how you see things right now is you're sitting in a room that's got white walls, the door is closed, the air is comfortable, and you feel safe and secure. That's the reality of the situation, right? Well, very few of us ever pay attention to the reality of the situation. We're too busy burning crappy old wood instead of doing new stuff. Okay, and so the practice of Anapanasati is, is starting to change it at that level before feelings. Mm. So that after you practice this and giving yourself good wholesome thoughts over and over again, you actually begin to feel pleasant. Not I like it pleasant, but actually pleasant. It's okay. You feel safe and secure. There's no more fear involved. You feel comfortable. There's no movements or stretching that have to be done to make yourself comfortable. You already feel comfortable. Right? Mm -hmm. 
right? So this is the way that we practice and getting ourselves into that kind of state over and over again. Guess what is giving us now new sankaras to deal with. Mm. So the the uh, the story that I often use with students is is imagine that the sankaras is generally like a, a sewer. The past is like a sewer. We bury stuff there, okay? We throw it out. This is what's going on, and yet we keep using the sewer water for drinking water. Okay? And so what we're talking about here now, um, I use, in fact, before the, uh, just out of the blue, use the word hamburgers. That if you keep throwing new hamburgers, one after another, into the sewer, they're going to become sewage. Yeah. But if you start intentionally one hamburger after another, after another, after another, you start laying a foundation on the top of that sewer, then you come back and put a second layer and then a 10th layer and a 15th layer. Then when you start to need stuff out of your sewer, you're going to be grabbing hamburgers rather than sewage. And if you can think about that in that way is one wholesome thought after another, after another is going to start layering over the top of that sewer of old unwholesome thoughts that we've been caught in the habit of. And so it begins to layer in. Mm. So we begin to change our past because we're only dealing with immediate past, which is quite different from the old past. And so this is where we're beginning to uh, then start to change our habits themselves is because the habits are the sewage. And now that sewage has got what? Nine stories of hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe 900 meters of water, pure water on top of the sewage. It is all sunk to the bottom and we don't go swimming at the bottom. <laughs> okay, so these are the various analogies that we're using of why it's so valuable and important to keep repeating the practice over and over and over again is because the, this, what we're practicing new, now becomes your past. And that's what we're going to be creating when we, so when we're creating our Saliatana ignorantly, we're more than likely going to wind up with something good and wholesome because that's where we got our stuff was from the hamburgers floating on top of the sewer. Mm -hmm. But if we are actually paying close attention to what we're doing, we're actually now laying down those hamburgers. Intentionally so. So this is kind of how the process works. OK, and remember that it's, this is all done at every point in ignorance. Mm -hmm. Ignorance is the foundation of this whole system. So ignorantly when we were children we laid down a bunch of crap that we got from our family and we did so ignorantly okay and uh the the consciousness uh point step three has ignorance based into it because it's quite wobbly it doesn't stay focused it's like a, a camera out of focus, but a better way of describing it is like a, a camera that has fallen and on its way down. You don't know what images it's going to pick up. Quite random. Okay, so when the. into the Salayatana using the Sankaras. And so this is this is quite a, uh, um, a process. Let me go through it again for you. Okay. okay, we just had a power failure here. Oh, okay. And in fact, let me see what happens here. Let's see. No, in fact, since we're talking, I know that it's back. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, but the server went down because the UPS is down. Anyway, back to the to the point. Uh, 
it goes. Oh, you're back again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're still here. Right. Here, here it keeps going in and out. So um, we were talking about this cycle of new feelings and new actions give weight to the past. It puts stuff on top. It's like a pile of stuff, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to start piling in new good habits and thoughts over and over again so that when we come to process, 